Just imagine for a minute if those who knew you well, if those you walked with in life, if those you journeyed with in faith, if those you accompanied through trying, tumultuous, and tough times decided to call you a son of encouragement. You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast for Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California. Throughout this summer, we've been working through the letter to the Hebrews. You'll notice that our liturgy comes straight from Hebrews as well. Last week, we learned what we've learned every week, that this letter provides us something that we need. Just what we need was certainty in an uncertain world. That's what the author provided us last week. This week, well, you'll figure out what he provides us. If you'll take your bulletin, turn to page five. If you have your own Bible, that's fantastic, but let's read it as it's printed together. Page five, we're gonna read that last paragraph from this morning's reading. I'll give you another second. And if you'll read with with me, we must also consider how to encourage each other to show love and to do good things. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord Encouragement is indeed just what we need. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm curious, how many of you would say we live in a culture, in a world, in a time when discouragement abounds? When, When disparaging others, when putting down, putting in place is going around like wildfire, right? That's the kind of world we live in. We need encouragement. Now I said last week the author provided us certainty. Well there's one thing that no one is really certain of, at least no one alive, and that is who authored these words. For a long time many people, uh, at least biblical scholars, ascribed the letter to Hebrews as something that Paul authored. It has a Pauline pattern a sacrifice, holy and pleasing, offered to God, redemption, atonement, by grace, through gift of faith. So a lot of people said, it's a letter from Paul. Of course, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And in all of his other letters that we have, he identifies himself as its author, which led some other scholars to believe it was probably Peter who wrote these words. Peter is the apostle to the Jewish people. He probably wrote those words. Of course, as you start to look through the other letters that Peter authored, guess what he does? He identifies himself as the author of those words, which led others to conjecture that it must have been someone else. Someone who was familiar with the Pauline pattern 
and yet at the same time was intimately familiar with the faith of Israel. Someone who understood its culture and its context and its religiosity as expressed corporately. And it led some to hypothesize that the author of this book was probably a man named Joseph. Joseph was of the tribe of Levi. You remember a few weeks ago when Pastor Mark walked us through the importance of the priesthood. Joseph is a member of the tribe of Levi. He's actually in charge of synagogue instruction and sanctuary worship on the island of Cyprus. And this man becomes a traveling companion of Paul in his missionary journeys. And it's in this company of believers that Joseph is given another name. He's given a a new title. He's called Barnabas. And it's led many to believe that Barnabas is probably the author of this letter. I kind of like that hypothesis. I'm going to go with it, at least for this morning's sermon. Just imagine for a minute if those who knew you well, if those you walked with in life, if those you journeyed with in faith, if those you accompanied through trying, tumultuous and tough times, decided to call you a son of encouragement. What a compliment. If you were a discourager, they would probably call you uh, something else. A son of encouragement. Now the dictionary defines courage as a quality of mind. Quality of mind that enables someone to meet danger and trouble without fear. Encouragement is a quality of heart, a quality of spirit that drives someone to lift someone else up during times of trouble and danger so that they might not be afraid. And whether it was the son of encouragement, Barnabas, or someone else who authored these words, their ultimate author is the Spirit of God, and today he calls you, me, to be sons, to be daughters of encouragement. Hear the text again. Encourage each other. Show love. Do good. Gather together with fellow believers that you might encourage one another all the day. Even more so as the Lord is coming. Now in the original text, the word is in the perfect tense. What that means is this is to be a habit, a way of life. To be an encourager is to be woven into the very fabric of your being, of my being, of our being. It's not an occasional thing. A momentary sideline cheers, so to speak. It's to be part of who we are as the people of God, and it's to be part of the experience of the community of God. Not only is it in the present tense, 
It's also in the active voice. And what that means is that the original readers of this book, they were not to wait to be encouraged before they went about encouraging. Let me say that again. They were not to wait for encouragement before they provided encouragement. They were to take the initiative. They were to move out first. Even if others could not, even if others would not, they were called to do it. And those words weren't just written for the first people who received the letter. They're written for us all these years later. Not just written to Hebrews, but to Gentiles as well. That's most of you, and it's certainly me. We're called to be sons and daughters of encouragement. Our God, who has gathered us to himself by the sacrificial offering of our great high priest a couple weeks ago, who has connected us to himself through the gift of faith and baptism into that high priest a week ago in this letter, now calls us to commit to encouraging each other. And that requires some connecting. The author here is really emphasizing getting to know your community. We're called to get to know our community, our community of faith, and our community at large. If you don't know your community, your community of faith, or your community at large, it is hard to be an encourager in a way that actually meets the need. And we need encouragement. Go back to that children's lesson for just a moment, right? Hang in there, kid. Keep your eye on the ball. Give it a swing. Is not encouragement to the child who is the lead role in a musical. Any more than break a leg, kid, is encouragement to the guy running down first baseline. <laughs> Take some exegeting of our community and our community at large if we're to be encouragers. And we're to be encouragers even in a discouraging world. Even if you find your community at large or your community of faith maybe being a little discouraging. Even if you find you've been receiving limited supply of encouragement. Now that ought not be the case, but even if so, this text calls us to be the start of that which will become a encouraging climate. Not to wait to receive before you are willing to give. Really, the author of our letter here today is calling us to prime the pump to turn our communities into communities of encouragement. If you're not familiar with that concept, priming the pump, uh, you know, especially if you're young, uh, there used to be pumps from which water would flow, and that's how you got water for your house. And you could work that handle all day long and nothing would happen, but if you poured a little water in first, then it would flow out in abundance. We're called to prime the pump, so to speak. If we want to see encouragement flowing in abundance in our community, we're called to be the start of that. To pour out into others love. To pour our good into the community for the sake of others. 
let us encourage one another, show love, and do good. It's what the text says. And we're called to prime the pump simply because God has already poured out on abundance on us. His love in Christ. His work on our behalf. Our love and our works flow from that which we have received in Him. And to lean into our community here and our community at large to pour out on behalf of our brothers and sisters that which we have already received in him, that it might begin to flow in abundance among all of us. And us is the operative word in today's text besides encouragement. This is a plural. This calls for community. Needing encouragement means we by nature need one another. The original hearers, they needed one another. The world in which they lived was a world filled with persecution, plagues, political unrest, and population dispersion. Plagues, persecution, political unrest, population dispersion. The more things change, the more they stay the same. That's our world, right? And in that world, we're reminded that we need one another. And it's only in one another that we might receive encouragement with each other. Which leads to the last sport analogy for the day. I know it's a lot of sports in one day for those of you who are not fans, but those of you who know me well, who, who have walked with me, know that one of my favorite sporting events is the Tour de France. Today is the last day of the race. It's going on right now. We won't know who wins the stage, but you can't ruin it for me because we already know who's going to win the race. For those of you who are not fans, you might be wondering, well, before the race is done, how can you even know who's won? It's just how this race works. We already know who's won. It's a young man named Vinigo. He defeated the two-time champion, another young man named Pogacar. Both uh, incredible cyclists, probably the, the best cyclists in a long time, fighting out each stage. And what was interesting is, as each stage was going on, I know Scott watches it, He's, he, he can back me up on this. As each stage is, stage is going on, as the, the finish line is drawing near, in this battle of who's going to be the ultimate Tour de France champion, who's going to wear the yellow at the end, there would be an elite group of five, six, maybe eight riders together. And those five, six, or eight riders, always those two were in there. Vinigo and Pogacar. Pogacar was always riding by himself in that group. Vinigo, on the other hand, always had one, two, three, sometimes four teammates riding with him. And they would be lined up, and he would be the second, third, fourth, fifth guy in the line. And as his teammates exhausted themselves for him and pulled off and fell out, the train would keep going, till eventually all of his teammates would have drugged him so far that when the last one dropped off, he would hit the gas, and his main competition could not keep up. That's what this text is calling you to do and me to do to exhaust ourselves for one another, 
to take the lead, to be in front, to go at it and give encouragement to one another by doing good and showing love that the victory of Christ might be received by all. We pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we live in a world of discouragement. We see it in social media. We read it in print. We hear it on the sidelines of children's sporting events. It's easy to be a discourager and just as easy to be discouraged. Grant us the courage in such a world to be an encourager by doing good, by showing love, by walking with one another, by bearing witness to your love manifest for us. And through that, may our community be known as a community of encouragement and thus our community receive encouragement through the same. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562-210-0463. We pray that you have a wonderful and blessed week.